No matter how connected fans become online, there's no substitute for gathering in person. We're joined by con runner Ken Deep of Long Island Who as we find out what it took to start a new Doctor Who convention. Then, Chip and I talk about the care and feeding of guests, cosplayers, panelists, and other fans. It's August 22nd, and it's This Week in Time Travel. Welcome to This Week in Time Travel. I'm Chip. And I'm Melissa. And we wanted to talk about conventions because we love conventions. In fact, Alyssa, you and I owe our friendship to conventions. And we've got one coming up that we're both really looking forward to. The fifth year in a row, Long Island Who. It's a convention that has forced me to learn how to pronounce words such as Ronkonkoma and Hopog. Did I get that wow. right? Did I get that right, Ken Deep? Perfect. Ken Deep is the showrunner, the maestro, uh, the guy behind Long Island Who, who it, which has been going on for five years now on the eponymous island. Ken, welcome to This Week in Time Travel. Hi, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. We wanted to bring you along because the advanced discount sales period for weekend tickets for Long Island Who is coming up. So this is a good time for people who might be curious about coming to the convention to make the decision that uh, now's a great time. Could you tell me a little bit about why you started Long Island Who? Well, it was the 50th anniversary year, and I was, I and some of my friends who are Doctor Who fans were waiting and hoping that there would be a New York 50th anniversary Doctor Who convention. And when it looked like there wasn't going to be one, I turned to them and said, oh, we better start our own. That's sort of the, the fun New York Times television guide description of how it happened. There were a few other factors, too. There was a, a local convention that we had all worked that um, went on hiatus for a few years, and that, that afforded us some time and some resources that we probably wouldn't have had or, or even the desire, for that matter, uh, had that convention been going, we probably just would have had some Doctor Who representation on the 50th anniversary year and, and called it a called it a year. But decided to have a Doctor Who convention on Long Island, and it sold out. So it seemed like people were interested in it, so we did it again, and it sold out, and we did it again. We moved to a bigger place. And here we are five years later, and it's still going, and we're still enjoying it, and that's the most important part. Well, this coming year is going to be my first year going uh, to Long Island Who. I've heard about it from a lot of people, uh, and I finally have a free time in my schedule to be able to make it up. Uh, so tell me a little bit about what sort of feel and environment you're going for when you're creating Long Island Who. Well, we were pretty influenced by some of the other Doctor Who conventions that myself and my my core team uh, like to attend and just the kind of things that we like to do, things like Gallifrey One in Los Angeles or Chicago TARDIS, you know, those kind of uh, conventions, they have a certain vibe to them. It's very welcoming, even if you're a stranger and people have a desire to meet new people, come together annually to have a good time to be amongst people of like mind. And when I say like mind, Doctor Who fans. We, we, we come from all different walks of life, all different backgrounds, but we come together 
because of our common interest in Doctor Who, and it's wonderful. So how do cons like yours and Chicago TARDIS and Galley compete with the big corporate conventions? Because I imagine that must be uh, pretty difficult to go up against. Yeah, it's funny you say that because uh, compete isn't even a word I would use. Uh, even if we were uh, locking horns with them somehow on a business front, um, but we can't. We just simply can't compete with the millions of dollars that a large Comic-Con has versus a fan-run convention. A lot of the conventions do their best to put together the best product they can. What we can do and what I try to do, and I, I'm sure I'm, um, I can go on a limb and speak for the other fan-run Doctor Who conventions and fan-run sci-fi conventions, you put the best show on you possibly can and hope that fans will spread the word amongst themselves about what they like and don't like. And what I mean by that is I, I at my core, believe that people will eventually get tired of waiting on lines for hours and hours and hours to do things and, and return to a fan-run con where you can walk up to people that you admire, ask questions. The, the panels aren't cavernous. The lines aren't endless. And that's what you see at a fan-run con. That and I find the customer service is a little bit better because of um, the people running it have, have been in those lines. I and my staff, and I'm sure the people at the other fan-run conventions around the country, they come from being an attendee at some point and wanting to get more involved. It's been my experience that people want to see you have a good experience because I know I, for lack of a better way of saying it, I get off on seeing other people meet their heroes for the first time. I know what it was like when it happened to me, and I like to be the facilitator of that happening for somebody else. You've been involved in Doctor Who fandom for a very long time. In fact, you are one of the original Doctor Who podcasters, having been on Doctor Who Podshock way back in the day. I suspect that that has helped you uh, make connections that are bringing such wonderful guests in. And here's the rundown of the uh, top name guests that you've got coming to Long Island Who this November 10th through 12th at the Hyatt Regency, Long Island. Here we go. Sylvester McCoy, Lala Ward, Katie Manning, Ingrid Oliver, John Leeson, Barnaby Edwards, Fraser Hines, Michael Troughton, and this is the one I'm the most excited for, Waris effing Hussein. I didn't say effing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm looking at the website and I don't see that that middle that yeah. middle name on there. How did you how do you do this? How do you how do you do this, kid? Because you've only been around for five years. But yeah, well, the con's been around for five years. I've okay. been around for 105 yeah. years. <laughs> so it feels like, well, I mean, I have a long history in Doctor Who fandom, but in, in particular, to, to your question about being involved in Doctor Who Podshock, which was one of the first Doctor Who podcasts, more than meeting the guests, which was a help, um, it was about some name recognition. And I uh, very early on put myself out front and center to sell the convention, meaning that I, I hoped that other Doctor Who fans would say, I know the guy who's running this, you know, I, I've listened to his podcast, or I know something about him, I know he has a history, and that helped reassure people who were going to a first-time 
a first year convention that it wasn't going to be a take the money and run thing that we unfortunately see on occasion in the convention scene. But I put myself right out there and that was because I was involved in, in a doctor who podcast people around the fan scene kind of knew who I was. And hopefully that gave them a little bit of confidence to take a chance and buy, buy their weekend passes. And it still kind of helps, but now the convention in its fifth year is it's kind of standing on its own merits, and that's nice to see. So do you have any tips for first-time attendees um, or people who are coming in uh, from out of town like me for the first time for this convention? Well, if you're coming in from out of town, and we do have a lot of people who come from not only all over the country, but all over the world, as far away as Australia and New Zealand, um, Take a little extra time and come enjoy Long Island or New York City. The, we're, we're in close proximity to the five boroughs in New York City. It's not that far to take a train or other method of transportation into, into the city. Utilize your time. Come and enjoy the full experience. Long Island is gorgeous in the fall. November, the, the weather is kind of mild. And the city is right around the corner. It's the Big Apple. It's... So city is so great, they named it twice. So, uh, so come and spend a little bit of time here and make it more than just, well, I saw the Hyatt Regency for three days. And as far as the convention goes for a first-timer, one of the things that I'm more and more a proponent of as I get a little bit older, get yourself, bring yourself some ribbons. Join the <laughs> ribbon community. Yes. This works at Galley. This works at, at Li Who. This works at Chicago Tardis. What it is, and when I when I, because I gave this a lot of thought, a way more thought than than a little piece of whatever it is, should really deserve. But I gave this a lot of thought. It's an icebreaker, and as Doctor Who fans and geeks, sometimes we can be a little socially awkward. It's a way of walking up to a complete stranger or having a complete stranger walk up to you and say something like, trade your ribbon, or I like your ribbon, or that's very funny, or something, and suddenly you're having a conversation with a complete stranger who gets your joke, or you're getting their joke, or their clever saying, or their artwork, or whatever it is you do, and you've met someone new. And a friend of mine says about some of the conventions that we go to year-round, it's our once-a-year friends or our twice-a-year friends or whatever it is. How, whenever you see that person now, if you go back next year, maybe you don't get to see that person for 363 days a year, but for one little weekend, you get to see this person who lives in Arkansas or Alaska or New Zealand or Poland or something – and you have a connection. And then now, through the miracle of the internet and social uh, media interactions like we have, you can actually stay in touch with that person as opposed to the old days when you have to be a pen pal or call long distance or rack up a $50 phone call or something. Now you can connect so easily. This makes our world smaller. It makes our community better. And I just think it's, it's actually something to really enjoy. Now – People who know me will say that I have absolutely no credibility on this subject, but I believe that Long Island Who has the best dance floor at any convention, at any <laughs> fan-run convention uh, on the continent. You're going to do wow, that again no this coming year? 
Yes, we do. Uh, this year, it's called the Geeks Behaving Badly Dance Party. And that's not to encourage anything reckless, but we certainly would like to see a lampshade on somebody's head or something suitably silly for a dance party. Come in costume. Come dressed in your best. Come just wearing whatever you're wearing. Come and cut the rug, as they say, although I think we have a wooden dance floor, so that would be difficult. <laughs> don't, don't bring a bandsaw with you. Um, yeah, it, it's fun. I, it's part like Sweet 16 and part like Big Bang Theory. <laughs> okay, Chip, now that you've said that, though, I am going to force you out onto the dance floor. You can't avoid it now. I was on the dance floor at the last Long Island Who. I won't give you any, I, I won't ad, I won't admit to having actually successfully done anything on said dance floor. Wow. See, now I've seen no evidence of you on the dance floor. So hopefully some people will be posting online and say, I snapped a picture of Chip and look at him doing the Batusi or oh, Jesus. <laughs> something geeky. <laughs> But I, now I'm going to keep my eye at this year and see see uh, when I when I pop my head in there I'll say let's find Chip and see what he's dancing. <laughs> so uh, you've got discounted weekend passes through August 31st. Uh, your overflow. Way to keep them focused, Chip. Ah. <laughs> this is this is me trying to distract uh, from the current subject. Uh, discounted weekend passes through August 31st. Uh, the Hyatt Regency is full up, but the Overflow Hotel is just across the street, if I recall correctly. That's correct. It's called Jake's 58. It's formerly the Marriott Islandia. It's sort of across the street. It's it's a weird configuration. It's it's a very short walk of, what, maybe a thousand feet, Chip? Yeah, I, I stayed there last year, and I can confirm. Just a, that would just be a, a an encouragement to book your rooms early if you're planning on coming to Li Who's Six. Um, yes, but the the Overflow Hotel still has rooms available. There are still passes available, even if you don't want to do the full weekend. Single days are available, and you know if you just want to dip your toe into it, that you're more than welcome to. But uh, obviously, as I as I encouraged for the people coming in from out of town. Stay for the full weekend, stay for a little bit longer, a, a day or two before or after, or maybe a little bit longer, and come see New York. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Ken, for joining us. Where can uh, we find you and Long Island Who on the internet? The website is real easy. It's all just spelled out, longislanddoctorwho.com, fully spelled out and proper with the full word doctor, of course, because trying to maintain some kind of credibility. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, longislanddoctorwho.com, and on just about every social media outlet, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, Pinterest, YouTube. Heck, if MySpace is still around, I'm sure we can whip up a MySpace page. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, uh, but they're just about anywhere. And it's, you know, it's always encouraged that you follow us on the social media side because sometimes we put – it's our way of, of doing things within the community. So we host some – classic Doctor Who screenings at the local libraries and Doctor Who Comics Day is coming up and some things like that. It's it's just um, on the social media side. On, on the website, it's always just the con, but on social media, it's more about the community that we have here on Long Island. Fantastic. Ken, thanks for joining us on This Week in Time Travel. Thank you very much for having me. This Week on The Incomparable Network. Jason Snell and company suffer through the Joel Schumacher Batman movies, so you don't have to, on The Incomparable. 
tech writer John Moltz joins Scott McNulty to talk about the classic Trek episode, What Are Little Girls Made Of? And they talk about some really unfortunate looking rock formations on Random Trek. And our reality show devotees welcome Project Runway back, as well as looking at Face Off and Ink Master on the Villain Edit. All this and more at TheIncomparable.com. Alyssa, it was great to have Ken on. Uh, I am hopeful that I will make it to Long Island, who uh, you are a definite. Uh, if listeners are listening and are planning on going to the convention, please say hello to one or both of us, depending on how things shake out. You better get your butt up or I'm just going to like come down and personally put you on a train and haul your ass up. Okay, noted, <laughs> noted. So, yeah, uh, as we mentioned earlier, Chip and I actually met at a convention. Uh, So a little story time. We met at Gallifrey One three years ago now, but it took two tries before we actually became friends. It took, I think, two galleys before we actually had a solid conversation. And then we started Facebook chatting. And then by the third, we were best friends and planning a podcast together. Yep. The first time you were hosting a meetup, it was an official Hoovian feminism meetup that you were hosting at Galley with uh, Rachel Talalay, and I uh, snapped a picture and shared that with you. But it seems like there was just a brief time for a brief conversation, and we sort of moved on. Uh, but man, Doctor Who conventions, I'm getting on up there in years uh sort of sort of the way that uh, ken the same way that ken was sort of describing it uh you know i'm not 105 years uh, or anything like that but i remember i was into science fiction conventions when i was a lot younger when i was in college and thereabouts and then i quit for a while and then once i got into doctor who fandom i heard people talking about conventions so much and i heard uh the radio free scarrow guys talking about their first experience at Gallifrey One, and I felt like I just had to do it. Uh, what, kind, what kind of experience have you had uh, doing the geek thing? Well, I was really reluctant for a while to go to conventions because the only image I had in my head of conventions was the mega conventions, you know, the comic cons of the world. Um, and I had gone to New York Comic Con once for one day, and it was fine, but it was also incredibly intimidating. Um, and I'm still a person that doesn't like huge crowds. Uh, and I don't like waiting in line for hours and hours and hours. It's uh, a little bit emotionally exhausting for me. Um, but I went to Gallifrey One for the first time, basically on a whim. Uh, I'd heard a lot about it. I was really excited. I got everything together pretty much at the last minute, you know, got a ticket and got a plane ticket and a hotel room and just managed to get there. And it was such a different con environment. You know, the smallness of it was really uh, an asset for me because it had more of a community family feel to it. You know, you went in and you could meet people and have genuine conversations. And it was a lot more of a informal environment, which, you know, I really appreciated this chance to just stroll around and talk with people. And there are lines, of course, you know, with any big guest um, that's going to happen. 
But it was a lot more manageable um, and everyone was a lot more relaxed and calm. You didn't have edgy people who'd been in line for hours and hours and hours. Um, you had people that were just all together, enjoying themselves, talking. Even the guests seemed happier. You know, it's not five hours standing there taking 30 second pictures with everyone. Um, it was a lot more of a, a relaxed environment to be in. Uh, so I've really loved doing small conventions and uh, really looking forward to going to Long Island Who. It's just been bad luck the past two years. I haven't been able to make it. Um, so I finally cleared my schedule, said, nope, nothing's happening this time. You're not taking this weekend from me. Uh, and I'm going to make it up. Yeah. It's interesting thinking of conventions like Gallifrey One as a small con small convention because um, I didn't go to a lot of the big cons. Uh, when I was in college, I was involved in, uh, and, and, and shortly after, I was actually involved in some of the planning for local SF conventions that tended to, you know, you didn't tend to bring in um, TV stars or anything like that to them. It was local SF authors and things like that. Attendance in the, you know, three to 500 person range and something like that. So I was actually a little intimidated my first galley. I, I felt like I actually needed to step up. So I went to my first convention uh, where I did a fair number of interviews for my old podcast, Two Minute Time Lord, uh, was Hurricane Who in Florida. Uh, and that was sort of a good step up to what appeared to me to be this gigantic and opulent and intimidating uh, Gallifrey One. I suppose if I'd uh, tried to brave the brave like Hall H at San Diego or something like that, I would have taken it way more in stride. We did talk with Ken a little bit about the sort of competition. You can't get a Matt Smith or a David Tennant at a fan-run convention anymore. It's become really, really big business. It has, you know, and that's something that's kind of disappointing. Um, you know, I think that... As this environment evolves, that might change. You know, I look at the con running business and the big conventions, and I wonder how much of that is going to be sustainable in the long term, um, because fans know that you can get more genuine experiences elsewhere. Uh, and I think a lot of people are starting to chafe at just how expensive it is uh, to go to many of the conventions now for even sort of the basic meet and greets of just get a signature and run away. You know, it can easily get into the thousands and thousands of dollars now uh, to be able to go to one of the big conventions and have a meaningful experience. But that said, even if you're not going for Matt Smith or David Tennant or Peter Capaldi, there's still really great experiences that you can have at the smaller conventions, and really great guests. Uh, you know, I've met pretty much every of the classic Who companions that I've met so far at a small convention. Um, and that's been a really good opportunity uh, to get to meet with them. Um, you do occasionally get other big stars at the local conventions. I think uh, my first Gallifrey one, they had Nichelle Nichols there, which was really awesome. Um and you do get uh, stars from the current season of Doctor Who. I met Michelle Gomez at Galley, um, and I've met uh, Ingrid Oliver at Galley. And 
it's still a worthwhile experience to go to. So I don't know, I think maybe in the future, you might have some of the bigger name stars start to be able to come to these smaller conventions just on the basis of, hey, the big convention experience is really a soul sucking experience. And you have something slightly less lucrative, but slightly less taxing at a smaller con. Yeah. And those big conventions are really, really expensive to put on. And I think that that's why the big name stars, uh, you know, command so high a fee for attending them. You know, it takes a lot out of them. So and the convention has a lot of money to throw around. So they ask for it. Uh, I don't know how sustainable those super big conventions are going to be in the long run. And maybe that maybe things it'd be nice if things scaled back a little bit and the the stars were fairly compensated for their time, but found it more appealing to come to, say, a Gallifrey one. Uh, Sean Lyon, who runs Gallifrey one, uh, the team that runs Chicago TARDIS and uh, and Long Island Who and the, all these conventions. They put together a great time with great guests, but it's social. It's centered on human interaction, face to face conversations, panels, you know, not standing in line all the time. Exactly. So we wanted to go over a little bit of the do's and don'ts of convention attendance, because even I'm still figuring out how to go to conventions. Uh, And I think it's really helpful for first time attendees, or people who are only used to going to the massive Comic Con like conventions to know uh, how to work your way around these smaller conventions. Mm. Before we before we go into that, Alyssa, maybe we should talk a little bit about why conventions in the first place, because I th- I still think a lot of people assume that you don't need it anymore because of social media. I would disagree with that. You know, I think social media is a massive help in fandom. But there are some experiences that you can only have face-to-face. And that doesn't mean social media experiences are lesser than face-to-face ones. It just means that it's something that you may not be able to to get otherwise, you know. With social media, there's a lot of conversation um, and a lot of back and forth. But when you get to meet someone in person over a drink at the bar and you get to hang out with them for a weekend, dance on the dance floor with them, wait in line with someone, uh, you know, you build a lot of of a personal relationship with someone uh, that's just hard to build any other way. You get to meet a lot of new people um, through friends of friends. And then you just get to put a face and a voice next to uh, a Twitter handle or an avatar. Like, that's a really important thing. And I think it, you know, it's deepened a lot of my friendships. And it's helped me make new friendships, because there's plenty of people I was only casually interacting with online. And once I got to a convention and got to meet them, I realized, hey, this is an awesome person, a person I'd like to be friends with. And that's how you start to build uh, those deeper friendships. Absolutely. So taking care of yourself, if you decide to go to a convention, it can be a little daunting. And self-care is really important. I think that people really need to be aware of your body at a convention. Make sure you've showered and you've, you know, got your deodorant on. Make sure you're hydrated and you are drinking well. If you are going to be going down to the bar in the evening, you should make sure you've had some water that day and you've had some food. 
um, some tricks that I've used at conventions. I've had a water bottle, which I've attached to my purse and carried around with me. I stuffed some protein bars uh, in uh, my bag. Um, it's a really quick, easy, and since I've bought it someplace other than the convention, affordable way to get in the food you need so that you can keep going and not crash in the middle of the day. Uh, you're all going to laugh at me, and I know most of you aren't going to listen to this because I don't listen to it, but sleep is kind of important. Uh, it's helpful. Make, make sure you get some sleep while you're at the convention. Trust me, you'll feel better in the morning. Starbucks doesn't cure everything. That having been said, one of my favorite moments in convention was pulling an all-nighter in the at the galley lobby, hanging out with my brand new friend Deb Stanish of the Verity Podcast uh, a few years ago, um, and that was hashtag Epic Deb right there. <laughs> yeah, I've done my fair share of all-nighters, and if you can do it, I'm not going to say anything about it, but make sure you sleep one of the nights that you're there. At least, at least. Um, if you go to one of these conventions alone, it's always helpful to pace yourself, to give yourself some alone time if you need it um, back in your hotel room. A, a buddy system is a really good idea. Science fiction conventions are just like any large gathering, especially when there is alcohol. The vast majority of the people that you meet at these conventions are going to be terrific people. You can't count on that 100% of the time, so taking steps to let other people know where you are and otherwise protect yourself is really important. And it's always a good idea to check and make sure that the convention has strong anti-harassment policies and knows how to handle itself if there is an, if there is an incident. Yeah, definitely check online to see uh, what their policies are in case of these incidences. Uh, make sure you know where to go, who to report to if anything happens. And another reason why it can be helpful to have uh, a buddy with you, um, you can have someone uh, to check in with uh, and help you uh, through that process if in the really unfortunate circumstance that you need to go through that. Um, another important part of this is be aware of how you are interacting with other people at conventions. You know, we talk so much about how these conventions are really close, personal, almost family-like environment, but you have to be very aware of boundaries. Um, big thing um, is cosplay boundaries. Make sure that you always ask for permission before you photograph or video somebody, uh, especially if it's a child cosplayer. Always check uh, with the parent and the child to make sure they're okay with it. Um, check in with them if you're going to be posting it online anywhere. Uh, cosplay does not equal consent. Do not touch cosplayers. Um, and always be sure to be respectful of their time and the fact that they're not always up for photographs or videos and that sometimes they need to sit down too. Socializing at a con, especially a small con, is is fantastic. But your basic uh your your basic requirements of you know social etiquette etiquette still apply you know not intruding on a conversation unless uh somebody's offered offered you an opening um the worst phrase in human existence at a convention is during a panel when you're at the microphone and you say this isn't a question it's more of a comment yep we that is <laughs> that is the worst <laughs> that is the worst um Conventions are opportunities for interchange, uh, but there are 
few panelists or few guests, and there are many fans. You've got to respect the time that they are putting in to provide great programming for you. So try not to monopolize. Um, you, you you may have some fantastic conversations at the bar, um, but those will be happenstance. You, you just have to keep your eyes and your ears open and be a respectful attendee, I think. Exactly. Uh, and a big part of this goes with um, when you're interacting with someone that you may just know through Twitter um, or Facebook or something like that, remember that the social media platforms create a little bit of a false sense of intimacy. Even though you may follow them and know a lot about them, uh, unless you've had a lot of exchanges and have really gotten to know this person online, be respectful of the fact that you know people that you know online don't know you the same way in person. So take a few steps back, have a conversation, but respect the fact that you you know, you know each other in one aspect, and it takes a little while to actually get to know somebody in person. Um, another thing that's really important is that at a smaller convention, especially, you will see guests wandering around the hotel. They'll be in the lobby, they'll be in the bar, they'll be at a restaurant. Respect their time and space. Respect the fact that they are there at the same location as you, but they are not always up for interacting with people. Uh, if you have a moment where you're both standing next to each other, a quick hello is fine, but do not interrupt them at dinner. Do not intrude on their personal space. Be very aware that conventions often have specific policies about asking for autographs or photographs with guests outside of their allotted time. Uh, a lot of conventions have policies that say you cannot ask for that outside of the allotted time. That's not just because they want their money. It's because the guests need space to not always be on and interacting with guests. So again, rules of etiquette that you would just sort of use in everyday life apply to the guests as well. Even if you're really, really excited to see them at the bar, give some space. Yeah, they'll let you know if they're uh if they're open to uh casual casual interaction and hanging out. And when that happens, it is fantastic. Um there are plenty of reasons to go to a convention. There's the programming, there's the personal contact with friends you know you only know online or you see uh, once once or twice a year. Um there's the autographs and the photographs there's the dealer's room there is the side note there is the credit card bill after the dealer's room be careful <laughs> there's really so much and there's no one right way to do a convention it's just knowing what you want and then making the most of your time going after that if you are not that big on autographs you don't have to wait into an autograph line have fun do have fun doing something else you know know yourself know know what you want and especially at these larger doctor who fan conventions like Gallifrey One Chicago Tardis and Long Island Who you will find your niche you will find your tribe one of the things that helps me is to build a schedule in advance and also to be willing to throw that schedule out entirely if something comes up. Uh, that means looking through the panels and the photograph times and the autograph times and really taking some time to think through and prioritize what I want to do. Um, make sure you build some time to eat. 
use the restroom, sit down in a quiet room and just let yourself unwind after the day. Uh, Remember that it's going to be difficult to make the early morning panel. So plan in some time to wake up before you have to go to one of those early morning panels. And if you get into a great conversation with somebody and you really just, you know, want to take some time away from something else you schedule, it's okay to do that too. You don't need to feel the need to constantly be where you plan to be. Uh, It helps to think it through in advance and know where your priorities are. And you also should give yourself some permission to be flexible. I've been fortunate. I've never been to a bad Doctor Who convention. I've I've been I've been really lucky. Um I've been to every Gallifrey one since 2010, I think. Um I've been to Chicago Tardis once. I've been to about 3 uh, Long Island Who's, I believe. Long Island's Who? I'm not sure where the plural should be. Um so I've you know, I, I've really lucked out. Uh, and Gallifrey One's the gold standard. It is a convention that if you don't try to get a ticket for it on the day they, they come open, you may have a hard time getting in because it fills up quickly. It will never get bigger than the con- than the program staff can handle. Um, what are some other conventions that you've been to that people should uh, keep their eyes out for, Alyssa? Well, in addition to uh, Gallifrey, I've also been to Regen, um, which is a great convention um, in the D.C. area. It's in Maryland, um, always has uh, really interesting guests um, and is a very well-run convention um, that uh, just really creates a good supportive environment. The same team that does Regen also does Intervention, um, which uh, is a little bit broader of a convention, but does bring in uh, Doctor Who guests. And um, that is also in the DC area in Maryland. Uh, So it's uh, really easy for those of us in the East Coast to get to. Um, So those are two of my other favorite conventions to go to. Um, But I'm really looking forward to expanding uh, my repertoire and getting up to Long Island this year. Mm -hmm. So, conventions, we like them. If hanging around several hundred people who love the same thing that you love sounds appealing to you, give it a try. Perhaps start with one of the smaller conventions, or when tickets come available for uh, Gallifrey One for 2019, maybe throw your hat in the ring and just plunge into the deep end. Uh, Let me mix those metaphors up. (laughs) conventions have led to me forming some of the most important friendships in my life and i'm able to sustain them through social and then we have a family reunion every year it's a great experience and at the same time you learn a lot more about the show that you love both from other fans having conversations or hearing it straight from the source They're absolutely worthwhile. I enjoy every single one that I've been to, and I'm looking forward to going to many, many more. All right, that was This Week in Time Travel for August the 22nd. You can find us online at thisweekintimetravel.com or at theincomparable.com, where we are among a whole bunch of other wonderful podcasts. We're on Twitter at DRWhoThisWeek. I'm on Twitter at Numeral2MinuteTimeLord. And Alyssa tweets and tumbles at Whovian Feminism. Yeah, we've also got Facebook. 
Jason Snell runs the network and graciously invited us. You can support us all by becoming a member at theincomparable.com slash members. Our theme music is by Christopher Breen. Our podcast logo was designed by David J. Lore. This has been This Week in Time Travel. Until next week, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Somebody got tired of hearing me see next week on This Week. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry.